Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And Alex, what started out as a very quiet, subdued Monday in the middle of March before free agency and after the combine, a a, a breather today, I thought, is what we were going to get yeah. after uh, working on uh, the combine for four straight days. And then news hits double dip here at the end of the day. First, Patriots wise, Kyle Van Noy released from New England uh, by New England. Now a free agent saving the Patriots just over four million dollars in cap space. We'll talk about what that means in a second. But we got to open with easily the NFL story of the day, maybe more to come this could be the tip of the iceberg and this could be a gigantic nfl story falcons wide receiver calvin ridley who has been linked to the patriots multiple times obviously in trade talks has been suspended by the national football league for the entire 2022 season and then indefinitely from that point on so this could be a longer suspension than just the full season for gambling on games specifically gambling on Falcons games, a couple of multi-team parlays and all that sort of jazz that the gambling world likes. Tweeted out some things afterwards that were pretty funny, some jokes going around. I hope that this is not serious, right? And Calvin Ridley stepped right. away from football for mental health issues. This was seemed to be after the fact from that original decision, but maybe not completely unrelated. But I think... We're not psychiatrists. We're not going to play armchair psychiatrist or therapist here. The most important part about this from a Patriots angle is that Calvin Ridley's off the board as a potential wide receiver one addition to the New England's roster. Where do the Patriots go from here? We heard about the rumors about Robbie Anderson. We can talk draft. We can talk about maybe some of the other veterans on the market that the Patriots could go out and get. But no Calvin Ridley. That's obviously not going to happen now. Right, and somebody beat me to it in the comments, but where, where's Stephen Ross at? Let's yeah. go find Stephen Ross. Calvin Ridley was betting on his team, and he's betting on the Falcons. He's betting on his team. Let's go Let's go see what Stephen Ross is up to. Calvin Ridley gets suspended for a year. In terms of the Patriots, I, I, I didn't know exactly how realistic Ridley was. The one thing I will say, people, I've seen people pivot to um, uh, Amari Cooper. Yeah. I would say, if anything, this makes more Amari Cooper more unlikely for the Patriots because the teams that were likely in, like, th- there was a lot of market overlap there. I would say the teams that were in the market for Ridley 
would likely be a lot of the same teams that are in the market are going to be in the market for Mari Cooper. The difference is Cooper's a free agent. Patriots don't have a ton of cap space to work with. So this marginally, maybe not a ton, but this only is going to make Amari Cooper now more expensive on the open market. So I don't think I never thought Cooper was realistic to begin with, but if there was any chance of that happening, I mean, this just tips the scales even further away, I think from Cooper coming to new England. So now you are really looking at Robbie Anderson, or I think you're looking at the draft, but the other news of the last couple of days in regard to JC Jackson, which I believe we touched on last time we were on, and it sounds like he's on his way out. I don't, you know, if, if Andrew Booth is sitting there at 21, if Trent McDuffie's sitting there at 21, Kair Elam possibly at 21, right? I don't think you can pass on one of those guys for a wide receiver when you already have Nelson Aguilar, at least there, capable. So, yeah, I, I think Ridley kind of felt like it made a lot of sense. You didn't yeah. have to give up a ton to get him. He was going to give you exactly what you need. Seemed too good to be true. Well, Things that seem too good to be true usually are, right? You beat me to that punchline there. So that that's kind of my big takeaway from all of it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, no I'm, Alan Robinson in the chat there. I'm just so far out on Alan Robinson. I, I'm pretty much with you on this one. He made so much sense on top of the fact of his skill set fitting in nicely with what the Patriots needed. The $11 million cap hit next year made a lot of sense because that's not a ton of money. We're not talking about going out and paying Amari Cooper $16 million or paying Allen Robinson top of the market free agent money. It was a reasonable ask for Calvin Ridley. Unfortunately, now that's off the board. I've seen a lot of people pivot to Amari Cooper as well. I'm going to say this. I don't think that Amari Cooper is even a realistic possibility here in New England. I think that he's somebody once released – is going to be worth more than I would say $16 million on the open market as a free agent. And the Patriots are not going to play in that type of game. This, this free agency, they're not going to go for any of those types of guys. And you also look at the fact that in this free agency class out in charger land, they're thinking about tagging Mike Williams. So that's another guy that's potentially off the board. I think the bucks are probably going to tag Chris Godwin before the deadline. So when you start to stack up, the free agency board at wide receiver, a guy like Cooper is probably going to be at the top. If he's not the number one guy, he's going to maybe be the number two guy behind somebody like a Godwin, like an Allen Robinson, depending on what your flavor is, what your preference is. Amari Cooper can flat out play. He's a great football player and his ability to run routes and create separation. And what I would call, a guy that has a PhD in route running. The guy just knows how to get open. Very, very shifty. Very, very quick. Very, very technically sound. Perfect fit. Too expensive. It, it, it just isn't the offseason to do that. Maybe next offseason if somebody like that comes available and they have Nelson Aguilar off the books, then they could possibly make a move for something along those lines. But Calvin Ridley's off the board. I don't think that any of these other big names like Amari Cooper that's been thrown out there is necessarily going to make any sense. So then we turn to the draft, which is where we've been at for a while here on Patriots beat. At least we've been talking a lot about these guys in the draft and it does feel like the best way to go about this. And I think the bummer is if you're a Patriots fan is that they don't have tons of success drafting receivers at the top of the draft, right? This is not an area that they've invested in a whole lot of to begin with. 
at the top of the draft, but it's also not a, a place that they've had a ton of success with. So the easiest thing always, when you have a position of need, we could even look at corner and say, well, the easiest thing to replace JC Jackson is a draft career Elam and, and the beat goes on, right? We can right. go that, do that across the board. Unfortunately, wide receiver, not a position that they typically hit on, but from a cost perspective, from just the way that the salaries stack up on their roster, it just feels like the draft, if you're going to try to get one of those number one guys, that's where we're at. I, I just don't, can't imagine the Patriots at this point in time paying Amari Cooper, paying Mike Williams, paying Allen Robinson, or whoever you want to insert big name free agent X here. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw some people bring up Brandon Cook's name. I mean, maybe if there's a trade there, you figure something out with him. Yeah. I wouldn't hate that. But this is, I, I, I said, I was on uh, 98.5 over the weekend with Matt McCarthy, and I said this. I think this year's free agency is going to be a lot more targeted, right? Yeah. I don't think it's going to be you're just going out and throwing money at problems. I think it's going to be finding specific guys to fill specific roles. You talk, you know, I, I think their free agency, you're going to look at the offensive line. I think you're going to look at, maybe a third down running back. I think you look at maybe some depth in the secondary. I don't know about top end, right. maybe Carlton Davis. Like I think if they make a splash, it's Carlton Davis. I want to take a second to shout out our sponsors at betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet online is your number one online wagering destination but online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games bet online where the game starts and it's actually crazy though be not to cut you off but the yeah uh, jeremy fowler he wrote an article today a lot of plugged in sourced information in that article and Traverius ward from the chiefs who's a nice man corner right he's not he's not stefan gilmore in his prime he's not jc jackson he's probably not even carlton davis but Javarius Ward can play. And Jeremy Fowler wrote in his article that he feels like Javarius Ward's number is going to be pretty darn high. It's going to take some people by surprise. So this free agent market, just as we saw last year, and now that this money has been restored a little bit from the COVID season and they're expecting the cap to jump exponentially over the next couple of years. Like we could see a jump from 2022 to 2023 of excess of $30 million because of the new TV deals that are about to come in. So right. Teams are going to be willing to shell out the money. That That's not going to be an issue for any of these guys that are going to hit unrestricted free agency. Yeah. So, again, I just I, I, I don't think that splash is there. And you need a splashy move for a wide receiver if you're the Patriots. Like, they have yeah. the depth guys. They have the complementary guys. They didn't even right. have that last year, right? They have Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, like good complementary guys. They need a one. And that move I just don't think is in the books this year. Yeah, it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but I, I'm with you on this one. I want to touch briefly on JC. You mentioned him a little bit there. The best comparison that I can come up with with JC Jackson right now is, is a real estate analogy, and that is 
the Patriots have a pocket listing with JC Jackson, right? It's in order to get him to not go to market. They have to make him an offer that he can't refuse. And then right. otherwise he's going to market. That That's the way that it, it looks right now with JC. That offer from what I understand is North of $20 million to keep him from going into a bidding war as an unrestricted free agent. The Patriots aren't doing that either. So I think the Patriots would be comfortable with retaining JC Jackson at a 16, $17 million clip. And at this point they're saying, put the house on the market and let's see what it's worth. Right? Because you're telling me that you're worth Jalen Ramsey money. We don't necessarily see that. If somebody's willing to let to pay you that, then great. Then you take that deal and you run to the bank and ha- have a good, you know, best of luck. Right. But ultimately right. I, that's what the read I have on it at least is that the Patriots and JC have talked contract. They have talked figures. And the thing that's holding anything back from progressing is that Jackson is basically saying, I want to be the highest paid cornerback in the NFL. And if you're not going to make me the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, then I'm going to unrestricted free agency tag me, or I'm going to unrestricted right. free agency. And I ultimately think there probably is a team that, that will make yeah. him the highest paid corner in football. So, yeah, I, I think it might be the Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I can hey. see the Raiders, the chargers yet. Yeah, you introduce the next topic. I just realized my computer's not plugged in. There you go. Kyle Van Noy that who could bring this back to the Patriots after talking a little bit about Calvin Ridley, Kyle Van Noy released from the new England Patriots today, officially, Saves about $4 million in cap space to get it done. I think on the surface, you see the cap savings. And I think a lot of people are concerned about the Patriots linebackers. And I I get that. I threw out there that they have some depth there at that position, got some feedback that wasn't so positive about that. I will say this. Off-ball linebacker and on-ball linebacker are two different positions, right? So inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker, guys like, uh, you know, Jawan Bentley, Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins, even are free agents to that spot. They have nobody there. The cupboard is bare. They have Cameron right. Grone and Rayquan McMillan, obviously coming back from injury. Therese Hall. Therese Hall. In Therese Hall. Yep. That's the spot that they, that they definitely need to address in the draft on ball linebackers or edge rushers. Probably your best player on your team, or at least the best player on your defense that's under contract for next season is an outside linebacker, on-ball linebacker, and Matthew Judon, right? So you're starting right there. You have one spot already filled. Then you have some of these guys from the last couple of years, Ronnie Perkins, Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, Anthony Jennings. You hope that one of those guys could potentially step up and play some more. And I think the last part of this, and kind of segueing us into our draft talk, Alex, is that we just watched this linebacker and outside linebacker group at the combine over the weekend, put on an absolute show in Indy and this group of edge defenders, even going into the combine, a lot of people in the league were saying how stacked this group was and how deep this group was. So you put together the fact that they can save on the cap, that they have some guys in house that they've drafted and used resources on recently in the pipeline and a stacked edge linebacker class to begin with in the 2022 draft, and you get this Kyle Van Noy move and, and why Kyle Van Noy won't be on this team next year. Yeah, it, this is, this is you know, typical short-sighted instant reaction. Oh, they need linebackers. Oh, they cut Kyle yeah. Van Noy. These same people have been whining for the last two years that Chase Winovich can't get on the field, that Josh Uche can't get on the field. Right. It's one way or the other. Either you keep in or you keep the veterans, keep bearing the kids, 
or you, you we, we were saying they need to find a way for these guys to get on the field, right? Uche, Jennings, Perkins. I think Winovich is more of a defensive end at this point than, you know, I don't think he's playing Van Noy's role at this no. point. Those other three, I think, could. So now those guys, now there's there's space for those guys to play. Will any of them step up and win the job? That's, you know, we'll see in OTAs. We'll see throughout camp in the preseason. I Do they need to draft on the edge? I don't know that they need to. I think between those three, you'll be able to get serviceable play on the outside. But, I, you know, they've done it the last three years, four to last five. They've taken an edge rusher on day two. So they'll probably right. continue to add to that equation. Um I, you know, I thought Van Noy had a really good year last year. I did. I thought he was one of their best defensive players last year. He was excellent. Opening up $5 million and letting some of the kids play, I think this is ultimately a net positive move. I really do. Um, sucks for Kyle Van Noy. This is the second year in a row. He's been a cap yeah. casualty, right? Um, I think he'll end up somewhere. I think he'll, you know, some people have floated the Raiders. It makes a ton of sense. Right. Or if he'd go, you know, um, I was going to say, I wonder if he'd go to the Steelers, but actually him and Flores don't get along. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is ultimately a good move. It's a little bit of a risk, a little bit of a risk, but I, I think, you know, the risk reward balance, the potential reward is so much higher than what the, the risk is. Yeah. I mean, you drafted guys like Ronnie Perkins and Josh Uche in particular, I would say over the last two years so that you can save this $5 million on the cap by not exactly. having a veteran like Kyle Van Noy. Exactly. So at some point you got to let it ride and see if these guys can play. The other thing I would say about this is the Patriots, and I tweeted this out after they announced, or after Field Yates reported uh, that Kyle Van Noy has been released. The Patriots were cap compliant before this move. They didn't need to do this move when they did it. Now, maybe right. there are some uh, good faith arguments here that they did it to let Kyle Van Noy hit the open market early and potentially sign somewhere. So, that he was ahead of things that could be part of it. But the main thing is that I see they're freeing up cap space. And I don't think that this is the only move that they're going to make to free up cap space over the next week before the legal tampering period begins. And officially the league year on, on the 16th, whether it's Judon's contract being reworked or what other, uh, other moves they could make, they're freeing up cap space to do something. Right. They're, they're not right. freeing up this money right now immediately to sit on the money. Now, we could sit here and educatedly guess at what may may be using the money for. I don't think it's to tag J.C. Jackson. I'll, I'll take that one no. off the board. I don't think it's to do that. My guess is from putting things together, it could potentially be signing one of their own guys back. Right. Like a Devin McCourty, potentially uh, to give him that money. But they didn't need to get under the cap. They needed right free flexibility potentially to make other moves, but they didn't need to cut Kyle Van Noy on March 8th to get under the salary cap. So obviously something else, another domino is going to fall after they have made this move. And I, I again, I, I don't think that they're done making these cap saving maneuvers either. I think there are a couple more to come. Yeah. I would agree with you. And I think McCordy, he's a guy that projects to get about $5 million in right. terms of cap hit. So that would line up perfectly. He's the big one to me. Now that we know that JC Jackson is going to go, I think Devin McCourty becomes the most important pending free agent for this team. So getting that deal done before free agency. And I believe last time he was a free agent, they did the thing where they let him go out and see what, what else was out there. 
I don't yeah. remember if that was his last free agency or two free agencies ago. It was the last one? Well, um, his deal never really expired the last time, right? Because they were, they. I don't think he's ever. Did they hit do an the extension? He did, did once. They did he did hit extension. the open market once, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Must have been. Gosh, we were still in college. That was probably that 2013. Have, so that would have been his around. first free agency. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I that that's. That would make sense to me that it would be Devin McCourty if, if there's a move coming. You know, if there's one guy from this group I don't want hitting the open market because I think Devin right. McCourty would maybe be surprised by what his value would be. Um, I would – if there's one guy I don't want hitting the open market, it's Devin McCourty. The other angle to the Devin McCourty thing too as well is he has void years on his contract. So right. if his contract voids uh, at the beginning of the league year on March 16th, that dead cap hit hits the cap in full on March 16th. So if they can get agreement done with Devin McCourty, then they can keep that prorated salary stretched out over the next couple of years and they'll be able to save some money that way. So it does behoove the Patriots, I would say, to get Devin McCourty done before the start of the league year and they can save a couple million dollars on the cap by doing so. So. I agree that this could be Devin McCourty, Kyle Van Noy, no longer a Patriot released from the team. Let's turn to the draft. We can start. You want a little, uh, little breaking news here? Let's do it. The NFL. So the cap for 2022 is officially set at 208.2 million. So that's exactly what they expected. Yeah. Is it? Okay. I, I didn't remember what the projection was, but yeah, that's what they expected. The franchise tag for corners, I think was officially set at 17.2 million or 17.3, somewhere yeah. right around there. It's a little bit lower than I think what we thought it was going to be. I think 17.8 was sort of the projection, but we're talking about. I was working it with 17.3. So that's what it, that, that's where it's at. That's where it's officially at. It's like 17.2 and change. So it's right around 17.3. Again, the Patriots, we've heard in multiple reports, they, they don't want to go down that road with J.C. Jackson. So uh, they're going to be allowing him probably to, to hit the open market here. Where do you want to start with the defense on the at the combine? We're kind of talking about linebackers, edge defenders, so I figure we'd just start right there off the bat. Nope. With the, I, want to, I want to take my victory lap on Jordan Davis. Okay. I told you. All right. I, All right. You, you looked ahead. at me like I had two heads when I told you he was going to run a sub five. He's 340 pounds. To be fair, you have to give me. Looked at me like I was, I, this is why, oh, I'll get to college football. I'll get to it before the draft. I'll get to it in the off season. This is why I watch college football during the year. Cause you really get to see these guys. You really get to see them week in, week out. You learn them. Jordan Davis was never getting to 21. I tried to tell you guys, it was never going to happen. He's probably a top 10 talent. And as a defensive tackle, he'll fall. But the whole Oh, two, two down player. He's not a pass rusher. No, no. Three down player, pass rusher, whole package. His, his drills in terms of the numbers are as comparable almost to, they're almost as comparable to a slot receiver as they are to a defensive tackle. He ran the same 40 as Jarvis Landry, Evan. He's not getting to 21. It's not going to happen. That's, that's out the window. I told you special player, one of one unique unicorn game changer, whatever you want to call it. Jordan Davis, the real deal. He was never, never getting to 21. You could also take his workout and project it as a linebacker or project it as a defensive end. And he's still an above average to really, really good tester at those other positions that are outside right. of just ta- uh, defensive tackle or nose tackle. So 
one of the best combine workouts we've ever seen in the history of the combine when you start adjusting things for weight. When you think about how big the player is and how he adjusts for weight and all those types of things. Now, in terms of his projection going forward and what this actually means in terms of when we put on the pads, we're not actually just talking about running in spandex and a 40 yard dash. I think the most important thing that I learned about Jordan Davis, he dropped 20 pounds between the end of college football season to now to get into better shape, to go into his rookie season in the NFL. That was probably the biggest concern. I I didn't have any sort of, athletic concerns or fundamental concerns or anything like that about him being a more expanded player at the NFL level and his role expanding into more of a complete three down player. My bigger concern was his motor and his, his endurance right on every single play to move that much weight for 60 snaps in a game. It was going to be a concern. The fact that he's already dropped 20 pounds He's already testing out the gym in these all these combine drills. Tells me that he's going to be just fine playing a lot, right? And yeah. he'll he'll get there eventually. I think what you see with all these Georgia guys, though, and now we can start talking about congratulations on Jordan Davis. Good job, by the way. I'll, I'll give you your your comeuppance. You were right. He ran a sub, not just a sub five. He ran a sub four right. eight. He was a four seven three, which is just. I mean, when it happened. My my jaw just I, I think I made an audible noise and Jess looked at me and was like, What? What what's going on? And I was like, a 340-pound dude just ran a four seven three. Even she was impressed. So there, you know, that's when you know, right? That, By the way, you know who else ran a four seven three officially? Who Matt Ariza. All the best players are running four seven. Although if you go back, you watch the tape, he ran like a four four two. They screwed him on the clock. But all the best <laughs> players are officially running it anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, you know, and Jess is impressed by uh, somebody running fast at the combine that, that yeah. he ran really, really fast. So, anyways, without Jordan Davis on the board, because at this point, if that guy doesn't go in the top ten of this draft or the top fifteen, then I have no freaking clue what these teams are doing. Like, I mean, come on. Right. So, if we go on to the next one here. I think the next guy in line, if you're trying to get, look, I think Devontae Wyatt is a really good player. He's definitely going to be a first rounder. He's somebody that I think can be more of like an end, right? Maybe a three technique defensive end, not necessarily a true nose tackle. Travis Jones from Connecticut. If Jordan Davis didn't run like an absolute cyborg, then we'd be talking a lot more about Travis Jones's workout on Saturday at the combine four nine Oh, official 40 yard dash for Travis Jones. He tested as an elite tester as well. Absolutely showed out at the senior bowl. He's somebody that the Patriots checks a lot of boxes for new England as a one tech nose tackle senior bowl guy played really well. There played locally at UConn. I think that he's the next guy in line for them on the defensive line. If they still want to add another body next to Barmore. Yeah, I, I mean, it depends which way they want to go. Do they want to add a true nose or do they want to put another athlete next to Barmore, right? We speculated on the last show, a guy like Perry on Winfrey right. um, next to him. I think Jones, and if they want to add that nose tackle, I mean, Jones is the guy. The thing is, now his stock is going up, not only because he had a great combine, but Jordan Davis, uh, Jordan yeah. Davis is going to go even higher than expected. So I, I this note, I, I talked before when we were talking about free agency, right, about more targeted acquisitions. 
nose tackle. I still think nose tackle is a need. Right. The nose tackle to me is trending towards something that they're probably better off addressing that need for agency. I think a lot of their needs line up well with the draft. I think they can get a lot of their needs in the draft. Nose tackle, I'm, I'm starting to trend towards putting in the free agency category just because, again, Davis and, and, and Jones were so good. We're so good that I don't think they're going to be realistic where, where the Patriots would pick them. And then you start talking about, you know, in terms of nose tackle, there's a lot of good defense line, but in terms of nose tackle, well, now there's a drop-off, and now you're going down to day three and Marquand McCall, and that's all well and good, but is he yeah, ready to like play? Yeah, Ridgeway from Arkansas. Right, yeah. right, Hinton from Michigan. But are those guys ready to play year one? I don't know that you bank on that. You know, now I'm looking at, okay, maybe you grab one of those guys on day three and you pair them with a veteran in free agency, maybe more the move. So, yeah, the, the defensive tackle class, I mean, everybody was impressive, but the defensive tackle class, you know, those two guys especially, they they really set a tough pace for everybody else to keep up with, talking about Davis and Jones. Yeah, and when you look at the free agency class too, it's actually a pretty solid defensive line free agency class. Now, maybe not a true one-tech nose tackle, but remember the Patriots didn't want to let Akeem Hicks out the building the last time that he right. was here. He's a free agent again. I think he can still play. You look at some more nose tackles, guys like B.J. Hill – or uh, somebody like uh, Daquan Jones is out there as a free agent. And with how good this draft is at that spot and, at, and with those interior defensive linemen, there's a chance that they could get one of these free agents for less money than maybe in other years where the draft isn't as deep at that position. So yeah. I actually really like some of the names for them in this free agent defensive line class. And I try, I look, I put out my second mock draft and I tried to find a spot for an interior defensive lineman in the first two days. I tried to trade picks. I tried the whole thing. Unless you're really going to make some crazy trades to get a lot of picks back for the Patriots on day two, it is difficult to address all the needs that they have on defense in one draft. So some position is going to have to fall by the wayside and having nose tackle be the position that maybe you pay somebody else in free agency to come in and play the nose or push Devon Godshaw as your nose tackle. Something's got to give. They can't, they can't draft at every single position that they're going to need on defense. So I don't mind paying somebody at nose tackle versus the draft route because I don't think Jordan Davis is going to be there anymore. I think Travis Jones I, I'm reluctant to say that Travis Jones is going to be first round pick because I don't want to do the thing where everybody's a first round pick, right? So right. he's going to he might not be a first round pick, but he's going to be a top fifty pick. That's for absolute sure. Right. So it's going to be difficult to get two top fifty picks or one top fifty pick. And I look and we're going to talk about corners here as well. I don't know how you can put together a Patriots mock draft or talk draft with the Patriots and not take a corner early especially right. if, if JC Jackson's not here, it's just such a major glaring hole on their entire roster structure to not have a corner that even just to not have depth at corner, it doesn't necessarily have to be a JC Jackson, Stefan Gilmore level player, but just the fact that they don't have depth at corner is a big concern. So I just don't see how you can't, I think you at this point corner has really lapped the idea of taking a nose tackle early in this draft, unless it's Jordan Davis, right? Which, which is just, he's so good. Right. Yeah. Corner corner was one of their biggest needs, even, 
you know, when we thought JC Jackson was coming back. Right. I do want to backtrack real quick, though, because somebody did bring up a good point. You know, I saw somebody in the chat said, how are you going to say a nose tackles entire draft stock changed based on a 40 time? Well, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Jordan Davis proved he's not just a nose tackle. Right. That's that's why the stock changes so much. It's not that a nose tackle ran quickly. It's that a guy we thought was a nose tackle tested so well athletically, it's clear he can play more than just the nose. So that's that's more the point. Jordan right. Davis is not – like he can play nose tackle. He's not just a nose tackle. He's probably – in terms of – again, I, I can't project Jordan Davis because there's no comp. But yeah. if you're going to project his role in the NFL based on the rest of the class – He's probably closer to a guy like, you know, Devontae Wyatt or or any of these like 300-pound multiple position defensive linemen than he is to a guy like Travis Jones. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And he's somebody now that his athletic profile combined with the tape that he had at Georgia, and I'm still a tape guy. I'm 90% tape with right. most of these guys. When you go back and watch the tape at Georgia, we're talking about a dominant force on the defensive right. line a game-changing force you put the 40 and all the combine workouts on top of it and, and you're just you, you gotta be kidding me like this guy's gonna be an all-pro player at the nfl level i have no doubt about it i, I think he's gonna be an all-pro player for multiple seasons as long as health and all that you know god willing right. all that stuff goes well for him he's gonna be an absolute perennial all-pro player at the next level and I just don't think that those types of players regardless of positional value and all the little hoops that you can talk yourself into as to why it doesn't make sense to take a player there that early I don't think any of that kind of stuff is gonna matter at the end of the day let's move over to these uh so wait so hang on wait wait hang on I I think I just caught you something here yes generational perennial all-pro prospects guys who project to change the way their position is viewed in the NFL you think those guys all go in the top 20 Oh, yeah. Regardless of position is what you well, just said. I mean, yeah. I think the guys that we project to be that, I mean, obviously you get guys like Tom Brady that go in the sixth round and it just happens. that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, pre- you're, I'm saying that prospects who are project, you believe prospects yeah. who are projected to change the way their position is viewed go in the top 20. Yes. I'm going to be looking for Matt Arise on your next first <laughs> round mock draft then. Because he he's the player you just described. Nathan knew, he's Nathan just- knew you were going to punters. They knew you were going there. Of course they You're did. So predictable. The, you just described him. You just described you just described him. I caught you in that. All right. All right. Fair. I'm, just, well, I'm sorry. I couldn't let that one go. I, I had to take that. I had to take that. Like 30 seconds, no longer. 30 seconds. This the punter from Penn State can punt too, apparently. Like he's pretty good. Yeah. He's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So is he like matterizes like uh, you know, Ray Guy 2.0, and this guy's like, you know, maybe Jake Bailey, right? I mean, the well, other the know, other guy's like, pretty I, I think it's comparable to the defensive tackles. You have Jordan Davis and Travis Jones. Travis Jones, right. very good player. Yeah. You know, most years would probably be the best defensive tackle in the draft. Right. But then you have Jordan Davis, right, who's right. just otherworldly. It's kind of the same thing. The, the punter from Penn State, I think it's – it's no, Carada's uh, um, Georgia. I think it's Stout is the yes. punter from Penn State. Good punter. Most years would probably be the best punter in the class. Yeah. Matter raises is different. Matter raises right. is his own thing. So that's that's kind of the split. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about uh, linebackers. Alex doesn't like the term edge. So we'll call them outside linebackers Thank and you. inside linebackers for you. Okay. So the thing that's not surprised, a surprise. I think the surprise to me of the whole workout 
And the official time came in a little bit better for Devin Lloyd than what we saw on the TV. But this confirms all of our priors, Alex, that the Pac-12, a.k.a. the Pac-Slow, is the slowest Power 5 (laughs) conference in college football because Devin Lloyd looks like on tape in the Pac-12 that he's a 4-5s, maybe even a 4-4s guy. He comes in at 4-6-6. Ultimately, I don't think teams are going to overthink this with him. I think he's still going to go in the top 20 and still be out of range for the Patriots. But when I saw that number pop up on the screen and recognized that he's a good athlete, but he's not an elite athlete, it definitely gave me pause. This is anybody that was comparing him to Micah Parsons before, you got to throw that comp out. He's not Micah Parsons. So now we're going into a different category. He can rush on the line of scrimmage a lot better than some of the players that fit his kind of measurables and testing. He tested basically like Darius Leonard did the Indianapolis Colts linebacker, but Leonard's not an on ball rusher. Really? He's more, he's only an off the ball kind of guy. So he's like, if Darius Leonard had pass rush value is basically the, the easiest way that I could get to it. But Darius Leonard, he fell in the draft because yeah. of his combine, right? Because he didn't have a great workout, even though he had a great college team. Yeah, I feel I, I still think Lloyd's probably the best linebacker in this class, but I, you know, it reinforced that feeling I have. And we, we've talked about this in the past. I think day two, you look at some of the guys on day two, that's the sweet spot. Yeah. To take a linebacker in this draft. That's where you got to go. Somebody's going to ultimately take Lloyd in the first, but I, I yeah. think the value on day two compared to where he's at is so tremendous. Honestly, my biggest takeaway from Lloyd's workout is, and I was Nicobe Dean hurt or did he choose not to test? I think I he apologize. chose not to test. Okay. So I apologize if he was hurt. You know, I'm not second guessing him. I'm, I'm, I'm not calling him out or anything for skipping, but I wonder if he just chose not to test and he wasn't hurt. I wonder if he regrets that decision because he was going to test, except he, you know, all expectations, he was going to test exceptionally well. There are yeah. some concerns about his size, but if there's also concerns about, Lloyd's athleticism I think teams would rather err on the side of the guy who's athletic that they can put in the weight room versus the guy who already has the size but is he fast enough I, I wonder if Nicobe Dean regrets not testing because he he might if he did he might have walked away from this weekend LB1 I still think it's Lloyd right now it's probably a lot closer um, but Nicobe Dean re- realistically could have been linebacker one if he tested this weekend I think it's just crazy some of the times that you see in the when the 40 just doesn't reflect what you saw on tape with the player because Devin Lloyd just moves, especially when he's coming downhill and pointed in the right direction. He has some yeah. explosive plays on tape where he's just streaking across the field and clearing guys out. That is really, really impressive stuff. I know people think I, I hate on Devin Lloyd. I think he's a really good prospect. I just didn't see the top 10 Micah Parsons type of level player. And it turns out that he's not a Micah Parsons tester well, either. Right. So, so he's, what was he's a team guy again? to me. What's that? What was his, what was his 40 again? Lloyd four, six, six, officially four, six, six, Micah Parsons yeah. four, four, three, six. Yeah. Not even close. Right. So Micah it, Parsons it, ran the same 40. I think that's what Olave ran, right? Olave ran a four, three, nine. So it's actually faster than Chris Olave. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally different player. But yeah. I still think Devin Lloyd's going to be a, a teens guy. I, I think he'll, there's a lot oh, of... Sorry, that's that's his pro day. That's Parsons' pro day. He didn't run at the combine. There's a lot of teams in that 11 to 19, 20 range. There's a couple of teams that have multiple picks there. 
It, it just yeah. seems like him getting through that entire gauntlet there is going to be pretty hard uh, for a guy that his tape is clearly just fantastic. So uh, I think that there's a lot to like there about Devin Lloyd still. But you mentioned to Kobe Dean, and the thing that I find interesting, and we talked about uh, Christian Harris a little bit before because we had his measurables, I think, when we were on uh, on Saturday before the workouts began. Uh, he measured Christian Harris basically as the same size as Nicobe Dean and tested remarkably well, ran, I think, a 4-4-4 in the 40-yard dash at about 226, 230 pounds. And then you watched him on the on-field drills, and that was where people really were wowed. His footwork, his foot speed going through the bags and going through the drills was extremely impressive. The interesting thing I think about Lloyd, or about uh, Dean, excuse me, from Georgia, is a team like the Patriots that cluster these guys or lump these guys into tiers, unless Nicobe Dean goes out at his Georgia Pro Day and makes me look like an idiot, which is definitely possible, I think there are going to be a lot of people that are going to look at it and say, what's the major difference between Nicobe Dean and Christian Harris, right? I mean, they're similar sizes, they're similar testers, and we can get Christian Harris at 40, or we have to take N'Kobe Dean at you know, in the first round, right? And, right. and it like the Patriots, that's how they're going to look at this with uh, N'Kobe Dean. I am really fascinated to see where N'Kobe Dean ends up in the draft order because he's his own thing. He's a really unique player, and it's going to take a team that's going to have to take a little bit of a chance to – go out there and make that kind of call on a player that's all tape. He doesn't have the measurables. He didn't test at the combine. It's all tape with him. Right. So I, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I I don't think we really need to talk about him too much because I don't think the Patriots are going to be in that conversation anyways, because of his size. But to me, I I don't know. I I have N'Kobe Dean ranked greatly graded solely on tape as the best linebacker in this class. But I think a lot of teams are going to look at it and see Christian Harris is B plus Nicobe Dean and we can get him 30 picks later or 20 picks later. So, so what's the, what are we talking about here? Leo Chanel from Wisconsin is the next name I wanted to bring up. I'm not that surprised that he tested the way that he tested. He didn't do the agilities. I I, I figured he wouldn't right. Sneaky, sneaky right. good decision there by Leo Chanel, but he ran well he jumped a 40 and a half inch vertical. So he's got tons of explosiveness in his lower body. I mocked him to the Patriots today in my mock draft. He's the downhill play side linebacker that the Patriots want, but he's basically the same size as Juwan Bentley, but he runs a much faster 40 and, and moves a lot better than Juwan Bentley did. So this to me is a happy compromise, right? Where you get a player that can still go downhill but at least has a little bit more athleticism and range than a guy like Jawan Bentley does. And I would say like, he didn't run the agility drills, but watching him in the open field workouts, he didn't move like he moved better than I thought he would. You know, yeah. he's not one of the, he's not Nicobe Dean. He's not moving like that. Nobody expected him to, but he wasn't, I don't, I don't think he was totally lost moving yeah. east to West moving in space either. So yeah, I was encouraged by what I saw from him. And I, I figured if he moved like that, he probably would have weighed in around 240, 245. Right. Comes in at 250 and he's moving like that. I think that's very encouraging. Yeah. And you get him as a player that I think a lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's questionable in coverage. The Patriots aren't going to have him in coverage a ton. That that role 
he's going to be a downhill blitzer. He's going to be a guy playing the run, play side, strong side, inside linebacker playing the run. And his coverage responsibilities are going to be a lot less intense, right? Now, the guy that really stood out in terms of coverage and speed is your guy, Troy Anderson, who... You need to start listening. When I I, I dropped these names in November... Evan, I dropped these names in November, and you shake me off. And here we are in March. I don't you shake start you listening off. To I just tell you that I, I I don't do the draft until draft season. I don't shake you off. I wrote him down on my list. He's on he's on my tape study list. Troy Anderson tested beautifully four four one. I think it was officially maybe a little bit slower than that. Maybe it was, it was like four four one or four four two. I forget. Yeah. It was one of those two. Fastest by a linebacker. The, the thing that really impressed me though was watching him go through the on field drills how easily he moves in space, laterally, side shuffle drills, dropping back into coverage, all these types of things. He is somebody that I think is exactly what they need. And now he's sneaking into the third round conversation. I would say probably an early day three pick before the combine, probably a late day three pick before the senior bowl. Then he moves up to like an early day three pick after the senior bowl. And now he's squarely in the top 100 conversation, probably firmly as at least a third round pick. He's somebody that I paired with Chanel in my mock draft as, okay, you got the downhill player in Chanel. You got the space or the range player in Troy Anderson. And you put those two guys together and you got some uh, off ball linebackers that of the future here in new England. Yeah. A lot to like with, with, with Troy Anderson. Some people now have him going as early as the end of the second round. Yeah. Uh, that's how impressive he was. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get to, to the other two guys in a little bit. Well, you mentioned Christian Harris, right? Weighing in well under expected, under 230 pounds. I kept talking about that big three, right, in in the, the second round of Walker, uh, Harris, and and um, who was the other one? Walker, Harris, and Mama. And, Had Mama. and Mama, right. That may need to be adjusted. I think it's now a big four. We've expanded th- this, yeah. Right, that's I think sort of what I want to talk about because we've talked about those other guys so much right. already on the show is that now I feel like Chanel, I feel like Anderson, and do you see what Darian Beavers ran in the three cone? Darian Beavers, it was good, right? Yeah, yeah. no, this really, just, really good. It goes back to what I was saying before about Devin Lloyd and the Patriots. Like, I think Lloyd could be there at twenty-one. I do. Yeah, but you have all these guys on day two who I think three, like Lloyd's probably better right now. Lloyd, yeah. and I could probably Lloyd is better right now than a lot of these guys were talking about mama, Anderson, Walker, Beavers, whoever, right? Right. In three years, what's that gap going to look like? Marginal, if anything. So I, again, I just, with cornerback being the need it is with offensive tackle, potentially being the need it is safety. If Devin McCourty leaves, because there were some really good safety workouts and some guys that might sneak into the first round. I, I just can't see linebacker in the first round. I can't see it. There's just so much opportunity on day two. It's not worth it. Yeah. The last name I wanted to mention at this linebacker group, we've made this uh, joke, this and said this factually before about Bill Belichick's somewhat disdain for Penn state or whatever it is. One Penn state player drafted since Bill Belichick came here in 2000, but Brandon Smith from Penn state tested really well, weighed in at 250 pounds and all, I think I'll check a lot of those boxes from a measurable standpoint. He's really, really raw on tape. He's not somebody that is as polished as some of these other guys that we've talked about, but he's got some of that ability too that the Patriots like at that spot as well. So Brandon Smith kind of wraps that up. I think those are sort of 
where I'm at now. Uh, Damon Clark, I know there's some love for him there. I, I don't really think, see it with him as much on tape as some of these other guys. So I think that that group, if you give me one or two of those guys, I would argue actually two at this point with Kyle Van Noy yeah. out there too. I would say all those guys are are in the conversation now. And uh, Brandon Smith included. I, I think even though they don't like Penn State, I would throw his name in the ring too. And if they come away in this draft with at least one of those guys, I think that they've done well. Well, you mentioned Van Noy. I think with Christian Harris, I'm I'm probably ruling him out at this point as an off the ball linebacker. Yeah. But I I you know, there there already was some speculation before that way in that he was going to be an outside linebacker at the next level. And like now I'm looking at him more in that sense. Yeah. Is he their day two edge guy? Is he right? So I'm taking him out of that middle linebacker conversation, but I'm not ruling him out at all. Like you said, with Van Noy leaving, they're going to be looking for somebody on the edge. I, I think Harris, I, I'd be, I, I need to watch him a little more. I would be intrigued by Harris having a shot to step into that role on the outside instead of in the middle. Yeah. He's got to put on some weight if he's going to play out there for the Patriots. That's for sure. But that's maybe true. he can. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some of these true edge fenders, outside linebackers. First and foremost, I, again, I don't like doing this, but I think we can scratch Tra- Trayvon Walker off the list. I, I just, the guy that measures in like a terror de- like his arms are just ridiculous. Like his wingspan is just absurd. I think he had an over 80 inch wingspan. You test like the, like a cyborg, just like everybody at Georgia did. It's starting to look a lot like Trayvon Walker is going to be long gone, but by the time the Patriots are on the clock in the first round in April. I actually, so I, I made my, um, my mock draft today. Where did I have him? I had him at 23. Yeah. Now I had a couple edge guys fall just the way I did my mock. I had David Ajabo at 19 as well. Um, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I actually think he could be on the board. 20. Great test. Great test. Certainly. But I yeah. actually think he could be on the board at 21. It's an interesting conversation because this is a, again, a traits combine versus guys that, you know, are great uh producers is what i'm looking for there we go uh producers at the college level he only had nine and a half career sacks right so right that's not a huge number but he has such great measurables and trades i think teams for instance like the philadelphia eagles have two picks in the teens those teams tend to gravitate oh three picks right yeah those teams tend to gravitate towards these measurables guys right They, they tend to take these a lot of those types of guys they're very analytically driven front offices so I, I would say that that's a big thing to look at for as well. But yeah, Trayvon Walker, a lot of love for Trayvon Walker. A lot of people are very, very high on him. Uh, the other, you mentioned Ajabo. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, I think, is another interesting name to co- have this conversation with as well. Uh, he checks a lot of their boxes too. He plays the edge position the way that they want it to be played. He's not a finesse guy. Like Ajabo is right. a as a speed turn the corner type of guy. I would say that Johnson is way more of a power, bring it speed to power, good uh, upper body strength, really disciplined and hard edge setter against the run, smart cerebral player against the run. Uh, He plays the position in a lot of ways that they like it to be played. So I wouldn't completely rule out Jermaine Johnson, depending on how free agency goes and everything, obviously. But I think that he's somebody that they could have a conversation about, given the way that his playing style tracks in the way that they wanted to. And obviously he passed the test in Indy as well. Yeah. Uh, another guy I'll add, 
yes. was really interesting. Meet uh, Sam Williams from Ole Miss. Yeah, he's a fun study. He's interesting. Yeah. So he can get after the quarterback, and he's fast. He ran a four four six. He's a pure yeah. speed rusher. That's pretty much it. His game doesn't extend much beyond that. Like he's a he's a passing down player. You're not going to put him out there on first and second down. He's not going to set the run against the edge, any of that. But when you're going to have to be chasing around Josh Allen, having a guy like that, uh, you know, there there's value there. And he's supposed to be an early day three pick because, you know, of some of those stylistic limitations. Yeah, he's somebody I could see ending up on the Patriots' radar. Just again, is a, a very situational player. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this edge group shakes out because there is a ton of depth in this group this year. So at some point in time, there's going to be a run on edge defenders. And it's going to be, you're going to see a bunch of them go off the board in a span of like 10 picks or so. So you better, if you want one, you better jump on the on the bandwagon, right? At some point yeah. there. So we'll see when exactly uh, those, um, you know, positions have those runs and things like that. Uh, we're 50 minutes into the show and we haven't talked about corners yet, which is a problem. We got to talk about corners. It's a big position of need for the Patriots. There's absolutely no way that you can ignore it. I think at this point at the top of the draft. So the question really boils down to where are tiers with the cornerback group? I think guys like well, for Gardner from uh, Cincinnati is definitely not going to be there, right? He, he's right. going to be gone. There is some rumors about Stingley potentially falling, but I don't think it's going to be far enough. So now we get into the conversations about the Washington DBs, Andrew Boot Jr. from Clemson, Kyer Ilum from Florida. I think that makes up that next tier, that next group. And now we just kind of have to decide which one do we like and when does that drop off happen? Yeah, I I mean it's a pretty significant drop, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, I like Darian Kendrick from Georgia, Kobe Bryant, Josh Job. Those are some right. of the names in the next wave. I I I think I like Booth from that group from the Patriots. Yeah, me too. Um, corners, but the other thing is corner is the position I could see them double dipping at. Definitely, I you know I could see them going tackle, maybe even wide receiver in the first round, and then you go corner in like second and fourth because we'll we'll get to him in a little bit. There's a couple or there's two of them. There's two small school corners that I think really won the combine. Yeah. But, yeah. I'd probably go booth. I know a lot of people like McDuffie, his size, his size concerns me And a lot of size concerns with corners are related to tackling. He's actually a very good tackler. I just worry about his ability to play trail, right? Like how good, he, how much is he going to be able to make up if he gets beat? I think a guy like booth is just physically better built for that. Yeah. And when you're going to play as much press as you are in new England, you have to be able to win from behind. So yep. I'd go booth. You know, if people want to talk about McDuffie, I'll hear that. Elam. I don't know what it is about Elam. Like I watch the tape. I, I, I register. I see a very good football player. There's something there that I can't define that. I just, I almost have him a tier below those guys. I so did it originally. I, I, I yeah. moved him up into that Gordon McDuffie booth tier. I don't feel great about it. I put him in my mock draft at 37. Some people thought it was a little bit too low, uh, low for him, thought he was going to be a first-rounder. His tape is good. It's not flawless, though, right? And I think the right. biggest thing that you see with Elam is he gets a little bit loose at the top of the round. He has some some difficulty staying glued with receivers at the break point. And his hips transitions, just he's a little bit segmented at the top of the route, right? So right. is that something that they can coach out of them? I think that there is a little bit – 
of footwork issues that if he takes away some of his false stepping uh, when the receiver breaks, that they might be able to get him to be more efficient through that point of the break and maybe be able to have him glue a little bit more. But he's somebody that when you watch him play against guys that have run a lot of in-breaking routes and there's somebody in Buffalo uh, that runs a lot of those, right? And Stefan Diggs that they're going to have to worry about. Those are the types of guys that I would have concerns with with Elam. If he's pressing on the outside against a guy that plays mostly vertical route trees, then I think he's good can shut that guy down. Absolutely no problem. But if you're going to get into a conversation of him guarding some of these quicker receivers, some of these more twitchy receivers at the top of the route, that's the biggest concern I had with him on tape and why I was reluctant at first. He goes into the 40. He definitely can run. Right. So that, that we checked that box that that's not the problem. So now the question is, can you fix the technique? Can you get him to be crisper and more efficient while he goes to the break point? I think the Patriots can get him there. I think that he's worth it. I think the other thing I really liked about him is that he's an alpha. That's a guy that doesn't back down. He went up against Jamison Williams. He went up against Traylon Burks. He went up against all these dogs in the SEC, right? Like all these great wide receivers. And he never backed down from anybody. And he was ready to go in all those matchups. And he won some. They won some. You know, it was really something to really uh, be impressed by was how he rose to the occasion and really came up and stepped up to the challenge. So that was something that I liked about him as well. Cause if you're going to play corner in the NFL, you're going to get beat a lot. So you're going to have to have that short memory and you're going to have to have that confidence. Yeah. It's set up for you to get beat. Like if you're a corner, the whole game's designed for you to lose. Right. So Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can we get to the late round corners though? Because that that was the highlight of the combine. He's like short Davis. Yeah. I I mean, we've, uh, I want to say one thing really quickly. Okay. I don't want him to draft anybody from the pac 12. I'm at the pac 12. I'm out on. It makes sense. You hate fun. The pack. I'm is out fun. on Kyler Gordon. I'm out on all of them. You know why? Because McDuffie, McDuffie out, out. Okay. Short arms, sh- small, undersized, doesn't run as fast as he plays. The biggest concern that I have with drafting guys in the Pack 12 is that everybody in the Pack 12 that can run a somewhat good 40 yard dash looks fast. Everybody, right? And then you get into the, the pros and you get into all these other uh, these higher levels of competition and they get outrun by all of them. Like Nikhil Harry runs a four five three plays in the Pac-12, looks fast in the Pac-12 and and then can't move in the NFL. Right. So I don't know what we're I, I just don't think that that conference translates at the skill positions as well as some of these other conferences. If they're going to take a swing at a corner early, I'd much rather it be a guy like Elam from the SEC or a guy like uh, Booth that went to Clemson, right? Give me one of these guys that comes from a program where guys run, that guys are fast, right? And, and I just right. don't – a guy like Trent McDuffie looked like he was a 4-4, uh, a sub-4-4 guy. Like he streaks across the tape at, at Washington. He's tackling guys going one side of the field to the other – and they, it just doesn't translate. And I, I that, that's a big problem that I have. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, Go to your day three. You, just don't, you don't like Pac-12 after dark. If you want speed, like, though. I'm not saying it's want, not entertaining. I just don't like it. I just don't like how it translates to the NFL. Go ahead. I, I will say I was a little thrown. You know, I 
when we grew up, right, all the fastest players in the draft went to Oregon. Every year, there was an Oregon guy going to the combine, setting a record. Kenyon Barner, DeAnthony Thomas, right? They had the right. fastest team every single year. Actually, I texted my brother this during the combine. I forget who it was. It was some Oregon receiver ran like a four six five. Yeah. And I texted my brother. I was like, he, that's wrong. If you, Oregon, I get what you're saying about Pac-12. If you're at Oregon, their linemen should be running four six. Like okay, that's just Oregon. that's how I think of Oregon. Anyway, little side college football. What do Washington DBs have worked out in the NFL? Please, uh, Lori Malloy. Okay, Alex, it's twenty years ago. What? what, what? I don't care. Do not disrespect Lawyer Malloy. I'm <laughs> okay. not going to stand for that. I'm not going to sit here and let you disrespect Lawyer Malloy. I'm not Lawyer Malloy, but like recently, better I think be. Byron Jones is probably the best one, right, from the U of Washington. It's a good player, but he's a nickel. The Patriots don't want, don't need a nickel. A lot of good right? slot corners from the Pac-12. Yeah, maybe maybe slot corners translate from the Pac-12. Outside corners, eh, it's hit or miss. Marcus Peters, I mean. Oh, Richard Sherman, Stanford. He went to Stanford. He didn't go to Washington, though. That's Pac-12. You said Pac-12. That's true. All right, give me your Washington, day. Washington, I don't point. know. You want to talk speed, though. All right, you want to talk speed? Let's talk speed. Yes. What Did I oversell Tariq Wollin? You didn't know that much about him. I'm just yeah. sitting on here. I'm telling you about this guy who sounds like a folk hero. 6'4", used to be a wide receiver, going to run a 4-1-3-40, right? Did I oversell <laughs> Tariq Wollin, Evan? Did I oversell him? You're taking a lot of victory laps today, but I go ahead. I'm, no, I'm asking you on this one. Did I oversell him? No, I'm not taking did. a victory lap. I'm asking you a question. You were 100% right. I can't deny it. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think – and he looked natural in the drills too. He looked natural in the open field drills his stocks up. He's a top 100 yeah. pick. Now there's another guy who was outside of the 150 going into the senior bowl, but man, if, if they can get their hands on him, the way they've coached up corners here in the past, yeah. if they can get their hands, doesn't he feel like I, again, is there a comp for, for like what his ceiling would be? I don't really know yeah. that there is. The thing is, is so when, he's super raw and in the way that he plays on super the raw, very far away. Yeah. Very far away, but I I honestly wonder if, and I know that this is probably going to bug you, but I honestly wonder if he fails at corner, he's got so much play speed that like, I maybe just make him a safety, right? Like maybe try him out back there because you move I, him back to wide receiver. Well, I think the biggest concern that I had with him on tape was technically he just, his hips just weren't as smooth as you want him to be in press man. And I, I don't know if he's got, really the agility or the the hip fluidity i guess and the transitions to be able to truly lock up a guy on the outside but with that type of play speed and i do think he'll tackle he played a lot of special teams right yeah. so i think you start him out at corner see if you can work with him and see if you can develop him there if it doesn't work out him at free safety with that kind of length and that kind of range and that kind of speed in size to be able to bring the hit stick to from back there. It's not a bad profile to, to play safety no. either. So it's somebody that you just draft and you try to develop and figure it out. And maybe you have a position switch in that at some point there too. Well, they, I know there are scouts who view him as a safety right now who just want to make that switch day one. Yeah. So you, you know, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a really good point. He's going to cover a ton of ground. He's going to compete as a deep safety on jump balls, obviously six, four, right. Yeah, I, I I think there's so much there there's so much potential there. Somebody will figure it out you. And again, to link him to the Patriots, here's a guy who can come in on day one. He's going to contribute in the kicking game. Yeah, right. Absolutely made in the lab as a gunner. 
with the length to get off the press at the line, the speed right. to get down the field. Height actually helps in terms of downing punts down towards the goal line. It gives you more reach. He, I also, he'd probably be a pretty good kick return, right? Just, yeah. he's got that speed. He, he has experience with the ball in his hand. I think he'd, I'd give him a shot at it. I don't know if he did it in college. I'll look in a second, but he has, there's at the very, very, very least, right? There's tremendous special teams. There's a tremendous yes. special teams floor, not even ceiling floor. Would I put it past the Patriots to take a guy for special teams in the fourth round? Absolutely not. I could totally see it. And then if he happens to turn into an all pro corner, that's awesome. Right. right. So th- th- there's another guy. We've seen this happen though, that they draft a corner, they'll draft Elam in the second round and won't work out. And they'll hit on Tariq Woolen later on, or or they'll hit on Zion McCollum, who we're going to talk about but here. That's the other guy later on, right? Like that. That's what that's what happens. Like they're going to hit on the guy from Sam Houston State, and they're going to miss on the guy from Florida. Like this is Duke Dawson and J.C. Jackson all over again. But Zion McCollum's on my list uh, to watch. Just real have, quick, real quick yeah. on Woolen. Did not return kicks in college, but okay. kind of just to, to lead into your point. The only reason I'm not going on DH Gate and getting a Tyreek Woolen Patriots jersey right now is because I think they're going to, you know, Wollin is going to be the value corner versus like Elam or Booth. Right. I think after what McCollum did, he's going to be, and I, he wasn't even on my radar going into the combine, but now I'm like, how is he not? He's going to be the value version of Wollin, I think, where it's going to yeah. be, we could get Wollin in the fourth or we can get McCollum in the sixth. Right. right? So. You put up that kind of three comb time. You're already on the Patriots list. Senior bowl guy. FCS domination, right? They love those guys. The guys that right. have huge production at lower levels, Kyle Duggars, those types of guys. McCollum, 13 picks, six forced fumbles, which I'm sure they'll love to uh, down at the FCS level at Sam Houston State. Didn't have a good senior bowl week. He was at the senior bowl. It wasn't pretty. Right. He got beat by a lot of uh, receivers at the senior bowl, but certainly somebody that has the athletic traits to work with, tested through the roof, and is a really good athlete. Uh, before we wrap it up, I, well, I would to- just say on McCollum, too, yes. he play, he plays the way they want corners to play. He yeah. Press man at Sam Houston. Right. He's 6'2". I, he's gonna, he, there's not going to be as much of a learning curve for him versus a guy maybe coming in from like his own scheme, right? He's going to yes. understand the assignments day one. Yeah, DJ uh, Daniel Jeremiah called him one of the best press man corners in the draft uh, before he ran his yeah. 40. So it's a guy that definitely can play man coverage. And if I can get my hands on some Sam Houston State tape, then I'll, I'll definitely do a full report. The national on champions, so... Yeah, there should, should be, be some things right. out there. All right, let's uh, briefly talk about this safety class uh, before we wrap things up. The one name that if you're going to go, uh, the two names that, that I'll throw out there that both tested that you're going to go safety early. Uh, Daxon Hill from Michigan, it just looks like a Patriots DB. Like he tested great. He's basically the same player from a measurable standpoint as Devin McCourty was. I think he can play some free safety. I think he can play some corner, maybe some nickel potentially, maybe not outside corner, but certainly over the slot nickel corner. If you want to put him there as well. And he's got explosive athletic traits, knows how to use them, went to a program they like at Michigan. Uh, it's If they're going to go DB, but they're not going to go true outside corner uh, with their first pick, then Dax Hill is definitely somebody that we should talk about. Uh, real quick before I give mine, minor Patriots breaking news. Uh, Jerry oh. Shaplinski yes. is on the staff in Oakland with McDaniels. Somebody you floated the Patriots maybe should bring in. <laughs> what the hell are they doing, man? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, at this point, I, all I can do, instead of just complaining about the Patriots coaching staff and, and doing that whole thing, 
and Bill we trust. Let's see how it works out. Let's see how it plays because at this point, they're not doing anything that we think they're going to do, right? They're not bringing in Jerry Szaplinski. They're not bringing in anybody else. Uh, give me your safety. I, I don't know if it's yeah. the same guy. I have one more if it's not. Okay. It's uh, to clarify, senior offensive assistant, Shaplinski. So it's the same role as Joe Judge. Um, yeah. I'm going to stick with my guy, JT Woods. I've been kind of riding yeah. him since, you know, right before the senior bowl and tested really well. I, I think his best trait is he can cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. He does yeah. a good job of getting to the spot. He's still a little over aggressive at times. His technique still needs rounding out. But, you know, you tell him get here now and he gets there now. So he kind of showed that. He's still a day three prospect. I think he's still developmental, you know, a developmental prospect. But, man, if he could, like, sit behind Devin McCourty for a year and learn from him, you know, and learn from Adrian Phillips, I, I think – and he could play in the kicking game right away while he's doing that. I think he could handle a bigger role. So I'm I'm still on JT Woods. Still like him. I still think there's a lot, you know, a lot to be excited about there in terms of the Patriots. I knew that Louis Seen was a good athlete. I did not know he was that good of an athlete. Local right? He – unbelievable right like he had an unbelievable combine probably one of the best testers in the event let alone at the safety class plays like it at georgia and i have a rule in this draft i don't care what day it is i don't care what position it is i want a guy from this georgia bulldog defense all of these guys are absolute ballers like all of them tested like robots playing football all of them are ballers Give me somebody, whether it's Davis in the first round or it's Seen or it's Quay or it's Tyndall or whoever. Just give me somebody uh, from that Georgia defense. And I, I'm going to I put Louis Seen right on that on that list as well. I didn't know he had that kind of speed. I didn't know he had those kinds of times in him. He's a really, really good athlete and somebody that uh, look, I, I think personally that they're going to bring back Devin McCourty. You have McCourty, you have Duggar, you have Phillips. I know the need is there for the developmental free safety, the Deron Harmon, the guy behind Devin McCourty. I don't think that that's a day one or early day two need, right? I, I, You have too many bodies at that spot. You also have Josh Bledsoe hopefully playing a role that they internally were really high on. A lot of the players talking about it at the end of last year, how impressed they were right. by, by Josh Bledsoe in the locker room and in the meeting rooms. So I think that he's somebody that can potentially be a player for them down the road. I, I, JT Woods is an interesting name to throw out there. I still like Kirby Joseph. He didn't run the 40 because he's not 100%. He's going to do it as pro day. Those are more where I'm at now with the safeties. Unless they truly think that a guy like Senior Dax Hill is going to be like an all-pro player and they just can't pass up on the talent, uh, then I, I'm fine with going early. If you if you think you're getting that good of a player, then you always go, right? You always take that player. But other than that, I mean, I, I just can't imagine taking a safety and passing on corner, passing on receiver, passing on linebacker uh, to take another safety. Like it just, right. to me, it just really doesn't add up. Yeah, it, 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 unless McCourty leaves, it feels unlikely. I'd agree with you. Yeah. All right. So that about does it here for this show. A lot more news than we thought that we were going to have. So <laughs> we uh, went a little bit long. So thanks for hanging out with us tonight, guys. And we're going to be back on Thursday. We were going to do the first mock draft, but we got to talk about free agency. I got to admit, Alex, I'm a little bit – I'm not as jacked up for free agency uh, even in a normal year. Like last year obviously was a totally different – that was a chameleon. That was a whole – this whole – own thing because of how much cap space they had right now. And hopefully the Patriots are shock us all with like a Stefan Gilmore type signing or something like that, that we're not, none of us are seeing 
coming, but we're going to talk about free agents on Thursday. I think we're going to be talking about a whole lot of guys that aren't going to be New England Patriots, right? Like right. It doesn't feel like we're we doing a show tomorrow. I guess we could fit in three this Monday. week. It is Monday. We, we'll, right? we'll talk so, about that off the air. Okay. But I'm just because I, I I think we could fit a mock draft in this week too. I think we can fit it all. Yeah, I'm I'm really crossing my fingers. So last year, March 10th was the day I looked it up. March 10th was the day that we got the full draft order. What day of the so, week was it though? That's a bigger question. I, I think it's usually a Friday, which is the bummer. So let me, let me bounce back here real quick. Yeah. Um, no, it was a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Okay. So if we get them on Wednesday, we could do. We could do it hypothetically. No promises. We could do a mock draft on Wednesday and then do the free agency free agency show on Thursday. Yes, it's, we should do tomorrow because there's board. tomorrow's the the tag deadline. Right. So, so we'll see. We'll see yeah. if, if any new Patriots news comes tomorrow. We'll we'll jump on and and do a tag uh, show tomorrow. But yeah, we want to get the mock drafts rolling. Again, I don't think the Patriots are going to be super active in free agency. I don't think that this is going to be one of those times like last year where we have to do multiple free agent shows because of all the signings that they make. So hopefully even starting next week, we might actually be able to start doing uh, Thursdays as the mock draft show. But as soon as we start doing the mock drafts on Thursdays, we're going to just keep doing them every Thursday um, from that point through the draft. So we'll have plenty of mock draft shows coming up. Uh, Those will be on Thursdays starting as early as this week, maybe next week. And obviously we'll be paying attention to free agency. And if there's stuff to talk about, uh, we will certainly talk about it here. I do think the Patriots will make some low level signings. I do think that some of the names you might recognize, uh, but I don't anticipate it being a huge uh, free agency uh, splash type of signing, but we've been wrong in the past. So keep it right here on Patriots press pass Patriots beat. We'll have you covered all throughout the free agency and leading up to the draft and through the draft. And thanks so much guys uh, for tuning in over the weekend to all of our combine shows. Uh, Alex and I had a lot of fun doing those. We love the combine. Uh, Hopefully next year I'll be able to go to the combine again and and we'll be able to do it uh, from Indy as as well. So we'll hopefully be back next year in Indy. Everything will be back in Indy, me back in Indy, and the Combine back in Indy. And uh, we'll we'll keep it rolling. But uh, thanks so much, and we'll see you guys certainly on Thursday, if not before then. And uh, until then, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for watching our content of the six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Please subscribe to my podcast, Patriots Beat, on our YouTube channel, Patriots Press Pass, or wherever you get your podcasts for a lot more exclusive content right here on the CLNS Media Network.